Hey, hey, guys. What's up, Christy? Hey. Hi. Welcome to Crimes and Closets, episode three. This is Beth in my closet again in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet here in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, still. Yeah, still I actually closet. haven't, I have, actually have not left my closet. I haven't seen my family in about four days. <laughs> Just it's been longer <laughs> since we recorded, I think. So. <laughs> oh, well, then I just went in here and stayed. <laughs> yeah, I uh, actually really did today come in before necessary. Just because. <laughs> Were you waiting for me? You're like, I'll just go down and whenever she says she's ready, I'll no, be ready. <laughs> I wasn't even waiting for you. I was just sitting here quietly. <laughs> Tell everybody that's all what you're doing. By I, myself. I have to record yeah. my podcast all day long. Yes. Why'd that take three hours? I have no idea. Kept screwing up. That <laughs> <Matt> Christy. <laughs> nope. I wouldn't even throw you under the bus like that. <laughs> Just have no idea. What's going on outside of your closet? Um, well, lots of school. Um, which is fun. I actually, I mean, we've only been doing it a week and a half. And so I'm still at the fun point. Wow. Um, especially because um, my youngest who's in kindergarten, uh, they have a Marco Polo account with, or a Marco Polo. They're doing Marco Polo and they have a group with their whole class. And if you don't know what Marco Polo is, it's just another social media app where you can chat back and forth, but you can actually watch it live while they're recording if you're on or watch it later, whatever. It's like a continuous stream of back and forth. You can go back and watch it. So the entire kindergarten class is on there. And there's this one little girl who um, everybody, just about everybody posts like pictures of their writing assignment or whatever for people to see. And she just pops on every now and then. The first time she did, she was like, it's like, I don't know, 9 p.m. or something. And she's like, what's up, peeps? And she's just walking around <laughs> holding her mom's phone or whatever, licking a lollipop, being like, hey, thanks for talking to me on here, guys. I really like it. You know, like just chatting. Like, <laughs> like she's a little teenager. fan. <laughs> yeah. And then the other day, <laughs> this is my favorite, because I swear, if she was like, you know, 30, 40 years older, we would be friends. Um, she... <laughs> was sitting there chatting about something, just saying hi again. Hey, everyone, what's going on? And telling us how she found a four-leaf clover and picks up in the middle of her sentence a glass and takes a sip, and it's a wine glass. And so she, she goes to put it down and then picks it back up, and she goes, this is not alcohol. It's water. <laughs> Maybe I should just be friends with her mom. <laughs> Anyway, it just made me crack up because just the things she says, it's like she's a little adult. <laughs> I think that might have been me in, in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so you are friends with her. Oh, <laughs> just wait, in a different found version. you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, she cracks Thanks. me up. So. Oh, man. Anyway. I like her. What's her name? 
You know, I was just sitting here thinking, (laughs) yeah, I probably shouldn't say it, but even if I, I don't, I can't think of it off the top of my head actually right now. Yeah. I bet it's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Something like Beth or I don't know, whatever. Exactly. Sounds like it could be it. Yeah. It's possible. (laughs) How about you guys? What's going on over there? Oh my gosh. We just, you know, have been taking walks and watching Tiger King. My gosh. I haven't done that yet. What? I know. It's on my list. You know what? This You're like a, a quarantine unicorn, in my opinion, <laughs> because you like love that you're, it's making you calmer and like a better mom and that, you know, nothing's a big deal. You love school. I loved how you said like, I'm still in the fun stage. Yeah. When, when is that? What, what part is that? Because... Oh, I'm not you never there yet. No, <laughs> ridiculous. And then you don't watch Tiger King. Like everyone is watching Tiger King. It's part a of true it is crime because, thing, even. Yeah. Yes, this I know. But part of it is because it, we came across it the other day on Netflix, and I mentioned it. Should we watch it? But Emery had listened to the podcast, and so he yeah. was kind of like, "I don't really feel like I need to watch it, so I'll just leave that up to you." And I just haven't had time, like by myself lately please tell emory i also listened to the podcast which is called joe exotic and it is wild but the show is so much more crazy because you actually see them oh okay and he is it's i mean he's wild like there's no other way to explain it I was, and I didn't think I would like it either. And even the first episode, I was like, I cannot believe this is even real. Like if I didn't listen to the podcast, I probably would think it was a fake reality show or whatever, you know? Right. It's just Yeah, I haven't listened to it. All of them, all the people are insane. It's ridiculous. But it is, they were real people. I mean, it's really him. Hmm. But he has a reality, he has a show that he does and like, a fan base in the zoo and he actually existed. It's just insane. Well, and I'm I was, very intrigued. Yeah. My, my oldest is obsessed with tigers and we were going to take him for his birthday to the, this Carolina tiger rescue. That the, It's like oh, an right. hour from where we live and yeah, but they canceled it. You know, they're shut down so we can't go, but they do a live feed every couple days and we were watching the live feed today and the whole time I was like man Tiger King is so much better than the (laughs) the actual (laughs) zoo with live tigers like he doesn't have on a gold lame shirt it's just second rate (laughs) oh my gosh real tigers though (laughs) yeah it is sad but they do those tigers I, I do not endorse that tigers in captivity in general yeah yeah but yeah man it's wild you gotta you gotta get on that bandwagon and report back oh i will i will okay back in the closet have i got a story for you oh my goodness i'm excited i am excited too to hear what you have to say about uh my theory on the story (laughs) and to hear yours after you get all this information okay so we're talking today about a little girl Faye Marie Swetlick 
Faye lived in South Carolina. And this case just happened in February. So it is not quite even two months old. Um, Faye was abducted. And um, so that's the story that we're going to talk about today. Okay. Okay. So she was born on June 13th, 2013. So that would mean this coming June, she would be seven. She lived in Casey, South Carolina, which is in Lexington County. Um, Very small town, 1300 or so is the population. So it is little. This case reminds me of the case that we did last week, by the way, of the little girl that goes missing in this teeny tiny little country town. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we should just tell people to not live in tiny towns. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. I grew up in a tiny town. I made it out, not disappearing. (laughs) I disappeared from it, but on my own. Um, She, her mother, she lives with her mother in Casey. Um, Her mother's name is Selena Marie Collins. Crazy. I could not find anything about Faye's dad. Um, he, there is no name listed for him. He is a, he is just a ghost. I do not know. I know he's living. We don't know who he is. So I don't know if he's military. Maybe he's in prison. I don't know. (laughs) Could not find his name anywhere. So she lived with her mom in Casey in a like duplex type apartment. Um, in this cute little neighborhood called Churchill Heights which has around 300 residents. There are uh, single family homes. There are some duplex apartments, which is where they lived. And then there's also some town homes located in this little neighborhood. They lived on Londonderry Lane was the name of their road. Faye is this cute little girl with huge blue eyes, strawberry blonde hair, She is extremely sweet. She's very kind, um, talks to everyone. She is bubbly. She loves the outdoors. She's really girly. You know, her favorite colors are pink and purple. She likes looking for, um, you know, rocks and different things and collecting them. She has a lot of collections with rocks. She, they call her the selfie queen which I think is so cute. She reminds me of my six-year-old daughter, like just exactly how you would describe my daughter. She just reminds me of that. She likes to sing. She likes to dance. She's just a diva, very loud. Um, she had a very slight speech impediment um, due to the fact that she had like a tethered tongue. So, um, But she was very smart. She was in first grade at Springdale Elementary School, which is in West Columbia, South Carolina, not too far from the small town that they live in. It's kind of like the next largest town right beside them that has an elementary school in it. So the story takes place and begins on Monday, February 10th of 2020. Casey gets up, I mean, Faye gets up and goes to her, um, her school. She gets off the bus 
at about 2.50 p.m. that day. Her mom, Selena, meets her at the bus stop. She is wearing this black shirt with a little peace sign on it, a floral skirt, and she has green polka dot rain boots on. Which, again, just reminds me so much of my daughter. <laughs> it's exactly right, how she I rolls. know. Well, it's, it's sad because I'm actually, like, almost picturing yours <laughs> just because it's, yeah. like, I don't have that frame of reference with, you know, I have ball boys. So I'm, like, oh, my gosh, thinking if it was her. <laughs> yeah. Just super cute. So she bounces off the school bus. She meets her mom. They walk, you know, the three-minute walk home. And she has a snack. And she goes outside in the front yard to play. So she's outside maybe 20, 30 minutes. And her mom goes to check on her. And it's this is around 345. She notices that she is not there. She can't find her. So she does, I think, what we all would do. She goes outside. She starts walking around the neighborhood. She's asking neighbors if they've seen her. Anyone that she has their phone number or you know, knows she has other children. She goes to their house. Have you seen Faye? She was playing in the front yard. I can't find her. There is no sign of her. No one has seen Faye at all since she walked out her front door to play. So around five o'clock, so this is like an hour and 15 minutes after she notices her missing. So she looks for her for a good, good long time. I think Some of the reports said that she kind of went to like the little creek that's close to the house um, just to see if she had wandered there. She doesn't have any history of wandering off or anything like that, but she's six. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. So finally at like five o'clock, she gives up. She, she calls 911. You can listen to the 911 call. She is frantic, um, crying and screaming and just She's frantic. I mean, she's just exactly like how we would all be. I know. I was just thinking I would be frantic probably after 20 minutes of not seeing or like, I mean, I'm sure she was, but I I can't even imagine like at that time. Right. No, I agree. I agree. But then at the same time, I think you would be like, she's not missing. Like, come on. You know, she's around here somewhere. This can't be happening. There's just so many things I think that that would go through your head. Mm-hmm. So the police are immediately dispatched to the house and, you know, they don't necessarily think foul play. They think maybe that she has wandered off, gotten hurt, possibly gotten lost. They just, you know, of course, something like an abduction is, is in their minds because she is a six-year-old little girl. And where is she? They have no sign of her anywhere, but they're not immediately going to that, but to their credit, they really jump on the search of this little girl. They almost immediately, there's a, there's video surveillance on school buses and they find this video surveillance of her getting off the school bus in the clothes that she was wearing when she disappeared. And they just release it out immediately to the public and say, this is who we're looking for. This is what she looks like. This is what she was wearing. Um, they start grid searching. I mean, they really go all out in this small town to try to find where she is. 
they um there's no sign of her anywhere it is almost like this poor baby has just vanished they can't find no one has seen her I mean no one saw her walking no one even saw if if she was taken no one even saw her taken they're doing searches of the woods they call helicopters in they have um, people looking on foot they have dogs the FBI actually ends up after a, a not too terribly long of a time comes in and pretty much the next day and is looking for her and helping with the search they just cannot find any sign of this girl. Um, 24 hours goes by. They ask neighbors to pull up their ring cameras, the video cameras that people have on their doorbells or if they have any in their um, driveways or, you know, just any kind of surveillance cam cameras that there are. Please pull them up. Please email them to us. Submit it if there's any suspicious behavior. If you see anyone, if you see her. They just, they can't find her on any of these cameras that the neighbors are submitting. They start holding prayer vigils for her. There's actually, the first one is held the very next day on February 11th. And her grandmother, Faye's grandmother, Ruth, um, speaks at the vigil. It's videotaped. You can actually watch pieces of it. It is heartbreaking, just this call for help, uh, to try to find this poor girl and they're just all frantic the mother stays very out of the media she doesn't go on camera even the grandmother she gives an interview to the media and she will not let them show her face huh so the whole entire video which you can find is of her hand holding someone else's hand and you just That's hear, I've never seen it. It's extremely strange. I don't know what that was about. And the family actually falls under a little bit of scrutiny for this because they do seem like they're, they're just kind of staying out of the public eye. And they think, why would this mother not be going on camera and pleading and begging for her daughter's life and for information? And, um, but, but we know their names. Like, I know you don't know the dad's name, but you, we know their names. So we could, I mean, you can look them up. I'm sure that there's a picture of them somewhere. So I'm wondering sure. why they would yes. be on camera for that. Yes, there are pictures of them. You can look them up. That is true. But they did not want to be on the news with their faces, at least, which I don't know. I think, you know, we can't say how we would react in those situations if my daughter was missing. Mm -hmm. I honestly can't say that I would be like, yes, let me call, you know, ABC bring him to my house. I mean, you're so distraught. You would want somebody else to do it for you. I almost think I would probably be more leaning that way. But anyway, they mm -hmm. do fall under scrutiny for it. It does say, in all of the reports that I read, it does say very clearly that the mother, Selena, the grandmother, um, her father, it even says, are all cooperating as much as possible and are not people of interest or suspects in any way. So the police go around to in this neighborhood of Churchill Heights and they knock on every single door and they interview every single resident. So even the residents that didn't answer the door that weren't home, they went back later and would make and made sure that every single resident in this neighborhood was interviewed and questioned. They found nothing. They were stopping vehicles 
they even searched some residents. And the thing is, people were terrified because this this girl just disappeared. This little six-year-old child in this tiny southern nice quiet neighborhood just completely disappeared off the face of the earth and they had no one to blame they had no answers Uh, just the whole entire town was in a panic parents were in a panic I mean it was terrifying for everybody um they did not send out an amber alert which I thought was very interesting because of our last case that we did in which they didn't send an amber alert out which it was in what 2006, wasn't it? Yeah, so that that isn't a rule that has changed. You have to have not. much more information. Huh. Yes, it did not meet the requirements again of an Amber Alert. Now, I will say, she was out there. Her picture was out there. The they did a very good job of getting the story out into the public. But we know that Amber Alerts reach far past your your town or your county and you know if she was out of state this would have been something i think that would have helped i will say well and they it it like pushes through on your phone it's like you don't have to have your television on to hear an amber alert it just like automatically buzzes you if you're you know within a certain radius right yeah it's very strange um that they don't change those laws i think that's something that really needs to be advocated for uh, just getting the description of the missing person out there. Right. Right. Possible Amber alert. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we could call it something else. We could call it the Fay alert. Yeah. There you go. Um, there were two white cars that were found to be under, under suspicion that they couldn't recognize them. They didn't, couldn't identify that they were people that actually lived in the neighborhood. One was a white Chevy trailblazer Another one was just a silver sedan. They did end up finding the owners and occupants of the trailblazer and they were cleared the silver sedan. It was still kind of unknown. So days and days and days are going by. They cannot find her. It's, you know, Tuesday and then it's Wednesday. Thursday morning, which is February 13th, was trash day in this neighborhood. So law enforcement decides that they're going to go ahead of the trash trucks and go through all of the trash bins, which are now out by the road. So people have put put their trash out, they've rolled their trash cans to the street and are waiting for the trash trucks to pick them up. The police are going in front of the trash truck before it's dumping it into, you know, the contents into the big truck and actually going through them. Sometime after about 10 o'clock, they find in a trash can one green polka dot boot which they immediately believe to be face and they also find a they describe it as a soup ladle which has freshly dug dirt in it which seems very Hmm. suspicious but these are the two items that they find suspicious in this one particular trash bin they connect this trash bin to a townhouse they are able to show where it belongs so they conduct a search of the woods that are directly behind this townhouse so this is immediate they find this and they say 
Let's go look back there. So they walk back behind the, the townhouses and find little Faye's body in a very shallow grave in the woods behind the townhouse. This is around 1030. And how, do you know how they came across it? Like if she's in a shallow grave, was there something sticking out? Did they have dogs? It like... was shallow enough that you could see her. Oh, okay. Like it was a very haphazard attempt to hide her. Hmm. Um, they associate the trash bin with a townhome that is, the address is 602 Piccadilly Square. Around that same time, when they're finding the body, which is about 1030, that Thursday morning, a 911 call comes in to dispatch saying that a neighbor beside them is bleeding on their back porch. So there's someone standing outside, no doubt watching the police search the woods, and says, hey, in this townhouse beside me, there's a man on the back porch bleeding. The address is 602 Piccadilly Square. The same address what? that the trash bin is associated with. So the police go to this back porch. They do find a man who is deceased lying in a pool of blood on the back porch and they do identify him as the resident the resident of 602 Piccadilly Lane he is 30 year old Cody Scott Taylor so this man's dead and somebody called saying he was on the back porch bleeding right because they couldn't see that he was dead Okay. They could just okay. see that he was laying on the back porch. There was blood. So they called it in as a neighbor. Um, they were able to identify right away that his throat was cut. And there was a knife laying beside the body. And this is in the same um, townhouse complex as um, where Faye lived? It's the same neighborhood. Yes, it's in Churchill Heights. It's the exact same neighborhood that Faye lived and was taken from, they believe, and was found all right there together. So they sent both of the bodies to Charleston, South Carolina for autopsies. It's about 110 miles away from where the town is. They were able to determine that when they got the body, when they saw it, it had not been there long in the dirt, in the woods. Well, for one thing, they had searched those woods. So whoever put her there, put her there after it had been searched. Hmm. So they knew that right away, they could tell. And um, her autopsy showed her cause of death as asphyxiation. And her death was ruled a homicide. Um, they were able to, t- to determine that she was actually killed shortly after she was abducted on Monday, February 10th. And other than that, no other specifics were released whatsoever about her death, any wounds on her, the state of the body. I think it was out of respect for Faye and respect for the family 
you can read into that what you would read into it. But I feel like that means probably there was more to be found. Well, yeah, because a lot of times police will hold certain things under their belt because, you know, they want, if somebody comes in saying something, they want to be able to prove like, well, we never said that to the public. (laughs) So that's so true. Mm -hmm. So they also sent Cody Scott Taylor's body to be autopsied, and it was determined that he had a self-inflicted knife wound to the throat, which was determined to be his cause of death. And his death was ruled a suicide. They actually did a police escort for Faye back to Casey, South Carolina with her body, which you can see. um, There's very short news clips of this. And it is such a sad, sombering thing to watch. It's almost like the road was just completely clear and empty. And they, um, it's just like, a very dark parade of law enforcement with a hearse, knowing that this poor little sweet six-year-old is inside. Um, So they did find DNA from Cody Taylor's home on Faye's body. They also found Cody Taylor's DNA on Faye's body. Hmm. And Cody is dead. So, what do we know about Cody? He was 30 years old at the time that he died. He was born and raised in Bluffton, South Carolina, which is two hours and 15 minutes or so from Casey. A bit bigger town, 21,000 was the population of that town. So it's considerably bigger than uh, where he moved to Casey. He went to Bluffton High School, and he participated in the Model UN, where they role-play delegates to the United Nations. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. He was on the robotics team, where I don't actually know what this is, but I feel like you make robots. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's yeah, what it is. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't have one of those in high school. Um, he went to competitions and he actually won second place in a state competition with a device or robot, I guess, that is called Fear the Evil of Computer Love. That is the name of his. What? Yeah. It's, it's really catchy. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's different. Yes. (laughs) And he also graduated in 2007 in the top 10% of his class. So he was not, he was a smart kid. Very involved in extracurricular activities and top 10%. I mean, I remember those people. Yeah, I wasn't one of them. Yeah, me neither. I remember them though. (laughs) I remember looking at them from my very, very back seat. Um, So he then in the fall of 2007 goes to the University of South Carolina in Beaufort, South Carolina. The next year, 2008, he transfers to the campus that is located in uh, Columbia, 
South Carolina. So still University of South Carolina, but just a different campus that's in Columbia. And then he withdraws in 2009. There's no record of him graduating college. He was a math major when he was in college. And during that time, he worked as a manager at Jimmy John's. At the time of his death, he was living in this townhome in Churchill Heights. He had a roommate whose name we believe to be Eric. He was a manager at Wingstop, a restaurant in West Columbia, just a, a little ways away from Casey. It's actually where Faye's elementary school was. And he actually went to work on February 12th, which is the day before his body and Faye's body were found. Sounds really boring, right? Yeah. <laughs> like nothing. There's nothing to this guy. He's just an ordinary, maybe a bookworm. He doesn't have a social media presence. He did have a Facebook, but it hadn't been updated in something like, I don't know, three or four years. Uh, just nothing on it. He, I mean, he's a super smart guy, clearly, because of the stuff he was involved in in high school and he's going to college and whatever, and then he just decides to drop out. So that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, his life seems But he like dropped out in 2009. Life. Right. I mean, this is 11 years before this incident takes place. Right. I'm just wondering, like, what made him do that at that time? You know, clearly, I know you don't know that, but you know, what made him just all of a sudden decide to drop out and just live this kind of somewhat, like you say, ordinary life, like nothing too crazy. Right. When he probably had a different path in front of him based on where he had, you know, what things he had done. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mystery to everyone. He, his town home was located about 150 to 200 feet from Faye's, from where Faye lived. So door to door, it was two, a two minute walk. And, and he actually lived on the route that Faye had to take to get on and off the bus. So where she caught the bus and where she got off the bus, he, she walks right by, his, right down his road, actually. He had absolutely no relationship with Faye no, that they knew of, no relationship with the family. He had no criminal record. He had some like minor traffic violations, which just speeding tickets. He had one ticket that was failure to dim his lights. So I guess he had his high beams on and he didn't turn them off and a cop pulled him and cited him for it. And as far as we know, he has no motive to do anything like this. So he was truly just a super random guy and that is terrifying he was not on anyone's radar he he was just a ghost I mean he no one would have suspected him had they not found him on his back porch with his throat slit well and all the DNA on him and her eventually they (laughs) would have because they would have found the polka dot boot but You know, as far as just like before this happened, there was just nothing. There was nothing. So like I said, he did have this roommate. His roommate uh, was cleared of any involvement in this because he was actually out of town during the week that this happened. 
So they have, they've cleared him of everything. What's very interesting is if you remember way back when they were doing the search, they interviewed all of the residents of Churchill Heights, including Cody Scott Taylor. They interviewed him on February 12th, the day before all of this went down. And he actually allowed, he was totally cooperative and allowed the police to do a search of his residence. Nothing well, was where found. where was she? Nothing <laughs> was found. They have no idea. They didn't find her. Right. They didn't find anything suspicious. He was cooperative. They had, they did not suspect him whatsoever. Had they already searched, I don't know if you remember this, the woods yes. when they searched his house? So it's possible he had already put her back there because they were already done with that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you were just asking if they had already searched the woods where she was found, period. Um, I do believe that the searches were going on at the same time as all of these interviews. Because if you remember, this happened in a two-day span. So right. she was miss. She went missing on Monday, at f- late afternoon, evening, five o'clock is when they called it in, and then was found early Thursday morning at ten thirty. So this was going on Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday is when they happened to interview him. He lived sort of on the outside part of the neighborhood. As you're going out the neighborhood, my guess is they probably started interviewing the houses around where Faye was. T- uh, where Faye lived. Mm-hmm. And so he, they didn't get to him until Wednesday, but during this whole time they were searching all, I mean, grid searching and helicopter searching. So this was going on around the clock. Basically. I can't imagine that had she been there on Wednesday, they would not have found her, but I don't know. That's right. My- well, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what he did with her. Like what? She wasn't in the woods yet. Then she wasn't in his place. So yeah, I know. <laughs> such such a good question we don't know Mm. they did say the police uh, did in the press conference where they announced all of this evidence that had finally come out and that they did believe that they had Faye's killer they said that they reviewed all of the surveillance and video footage that was provided to them from the neighbors and any local businesses or wherever they obtained this this video footage from that Taylor was seen on some of this footage and quote he was doing some things that are suspicious to us end quote that is all they say so I don't know if they found him stalking Faye or following her or maybe doing it to some other children or a, approaching children, maybe. I have absolutely no idea. This is all a guess. I just feel like to go from no criminal record, no violent history whatsoever, no deviant behavior, there's some type of an escalation that's got to be there, right? Mm, I would think. I mean, I do that and then go to murder a six-year-old. Yeah, so it's almost like he had to have been kind of tiptoeing around the idea of doing this and maybe now they have seen it but they don't ever tell us 
So Cody's family obviously is not speaking out at all. Understandably in some ways, but they, you don't hear, there's not one word heard from them. So I'm going to tell you what my theory is of what I think happened. And you can tell me what you think. This is my Nancy Grace moment. (laughs) So I think that he, again, has probably led up to this. And that is what they saw on the surveillance. And I do think that it might even be why they asked to search his house. Because they don't search all of the homes. But if you remember, they specifically asked to search his house. So I feel like they saw something or had a tip. Something happened that made them feel like they needed to not just interview this particular guy, but search his home too. And unfortunately, they just didn't find anything. So I think he took her on Monday. I think he took her somewhere. He killed her that day. He hid her body. I think that he kind of thought, well, what can I do now? I'm just going to lay low and see what happens. So he's paying very close attention to all of this that's going on. I think that he probably got scared when the police came and questioned him. And so he was thinking, well, the trash is coming tomorrow and they've already searched my house. I'm going to throw this stuff in the trash in my trash bin and put it out on the road and the trash is going to come and get it. Thinking he would completely get away with it. It would go to a landfill and nobody's going to find it. And I do think that probably sometime in the early morning of Thursday morning, probably not in the light of day, he took the body out and put it in the woods behind his house. And just tried his best to cover it up. I think that he had to have known that they would find it. But again, maybe you're right. And he's thinking they've already searched this area. So they're not going to search it again. And whatever hiding place he had her in, he had to get her out of. So he put her body back in the woods. In this haphazard grave. And maybe kept her other rain boot. Because they never did find it. No, it wasn't on her? It wasn't on her, and it was not in the trash bin. They only found the one. Right. I just, I, I assumed that maybe she was buried in it, and the other one had, like, no, they, fallen off, and they had to get rid of it. They never found it. So, you know how they say that these, they'll keep trophies. Oh, so creepy. So, hmm. he saw the police find the contents of the trash, got freaked out. And was like, oh, crap, there it is. They're going to get me now. And then he goes to his back porch. He's watching them search the woods. He sees them find the body. And he wants out quick. I mean, I have never thought of what the possible best way of committing suicide is. But I don't feel like it would be slicing your own throat. No, I thought it was actually back when you said that it ruled it a uh, suicide that I felt like that would be hard to do. <laughs> well, I mean, harder no, than he's... other things to do. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. That's not what I would have thought of to do to kill myself. Definitely not that not. I think about that. <laughs> but I think it's just very, it would be very the quickest way. I mean, if you think about it, you can't yeah. take something. If you don't have a wet, a gun, you can't do it that way. 
it takes a while if you decide to hang yourself. I mean, even that would have been a better option. But, like, I think he just wanted to go quick. Yeah. I don't know why he chose to do it on his back porch. Maybe so someone would find him. It's all very strange. Yeah. So what we don't know is where this body was, where Faye's body was during the time when they searched her house or searched Cody's house. Where was she? Where was she killed? Did he bring her back to her house, to his house? Did he, you know, wherever she was hidden, is that where it happened? The fact that it was just done in broad daylight from her front yard and no one saw anything. That in itself is just phenomenal. You can't plan that nobody's (laughs) going to be driving by. You can't plan that nobody's going to come out and water their flowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. You know, three something in the afternoon and you think, yeah, you can send your kid out in the front yard and play. And see him right out the window. You can peek out on him every now and then, and it just takes a second for somebody. But yeah, why was there's not one person around? It's crazy. Or one doorbell <laughs> that caught anything this day and age. Yeah, it almost makes me think he probably didn't walk her anywhere because for sure someone would have seen them. But yeah, we don't know. We don't know, and we can't ask him. The case is still open, so the police are still not releasing answers to these questions. Although they have said, we do have the answers to some of these pressing questions. But because it is still an open investigation and because we want to, we want to take it down its path correctly, we are not releasing everything that we have to the public at this time. And that we just need to trust them, that they are doing the right thing to definitively prove that Cody Scott Taylor is the perpetrator in this young girl's murder. And they do think that he was the sole perpetrator. Okay, that it's exactly what I was, it's like you had a spidey sense there. I was thinking like, does, this, does that mean they think somebody else might be involved? That's why they're holding back? Because I feel like that's usually why they're holding back, but I guess not. No, <laughs> we don't know why they're holding back. Hmm. That That's infuriating to me. It's frustrating. Crazy thing. There are some conspiracies that are going around online, in forums, in chat rooms, that blame his roommate, Eric, saying that she, he abducted and killed Faye and framed Cody Taylor and then killed him so that he would be cleared. But there's absolutely no evidence to that. The police say that they they have definitively said that they do not suspect anyone else in this murder. So right. these are just rumors and speculation and cons- conspiracies that are going around. So this poor family is now left without their daughter with so many unanswered questions and really no justice for her because the person who they believe is responsible for her death took the coward's way out and is gone. Right. So my heart really goes out to them. They did do a memorial service and parade in the town of Casey for Faye. The mom rode on a float at the very front with Faye's pink bike also on the float. 
the crowds saying you are my sunshine which was apparently one of Faye's favorite song and the mom gave a really sweet eulogy which I'm going to read a little bit of challenging everyone to be a little bit more like Faye she says quote love a little more be a little more kind compliment a stranger dance in the rain and stop and smell the flowers which is very sweet and I think great advice for all of us and a good way to remember a sweet little girl. They also do, they have a campaign going, her town set up this campaign, which has gotten a, a little bit of backing behind it called Rocks for Faye, where everyone paints a rock, either something colorful or they put an inspirational message on it and then write on the back Rocks for Faye and leave them in parks or in public places for people to just find kind of like these little hidden treasures as a tribute to the fact that Faye loved to correct rocks. And you can actually see, you can look up hashtag rocks for Faye, F-A-Y-E, and see all of these beautiful rocks and notes and just the way that they're, she's being memorialized and living on. So take a drink. Oh, okay. Super sad taste, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, gosh, I don't even have words after it. Like, I don't even want to say anything after the eulogy and the whole rock thing. I'm just done. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, this is a really okay. sad case. It's so dark and twisty and interesting how, you know, there's two bodies and there's, I mean, just can you imagine living in this town? No. No, no. So I will say um, there is a tip line. If anyone has any information about the disappearance of Faye, um, any information about Cody Scott Taylor, I'm going to put the information in our show notes. So y'all go there. Yes. And remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.